Welcome to MonarchCast. It's been a while, yeah. so if you're tuning in, thank you very much for sticking with us. Um, it's been a few months since our last recording session. I was looking at the calendar, and I think our last episode aired on April 29th. Does that sound That sounds correct? right. We were We stopped a little bit before the wedding. Yeah, well, if I remember correctly, it was the birth of... Um, Louis. Prince Arthur. Prince Louis. Yeah. Oh my gosh, it's Louis. Yeah, yep. See, yeah. I'm still holding on to Arthur. I, that happened I like, like at the, like two days go. after our episode aired. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was or a before, good one. Or before, I don't know. I don't remember. It was like around then. So it's been a while. Yeah. So thanks everybody for letting us take a little break. You know, um, this is not what we do for no. a living. This is just a hobby. So we needed to take some time and pay attention to our real lives and, and read some books and kind of take a recharge and reset and come back with some great material for you. But first, let's catch up what we missed because as we just mentioned, <laughs> it was a lot. Yes. So our last episode aired the day that um, Prince Louis was born. Louis Arthur Charles. What'd you say, Allie? Two out so, of three? So close. <laughs> And that's crazy because we we didn't even talk about Louis. No, because we, I mean, it wouldn't have even occurred to me because, you know, I'm assuming the namesake is Louis Mountbatten, as we talked about Mm -hmm. before, but that's already, he's already been honored twice. And so I thought, oh, they're not going to carry that into this generation, but Well, and it's so funny. Yeah, because we listened to, we listed it when we talked about Prince George um, but we just kind of glossed over it. It just never even occurred to me that they would reuse a middle name, even though we had a big discussion about whether or not they were going to reuse a, a middle name, which they mm-hmm. did. They used Arthur. Cause well, isn't Louis George's? one of George's names, too? Is it? Was it Arthur or Louis that we I think Louis about? is George's George, last George is middle George. name. Well, everybody, you can correct us. We've just made an oops already. <laughs> I've already forgotten what George's name is. I can look this up really quick. But we didn't think Louie was going to be in the picture. So when they announced the name, my jaw dropped. I was texting Allie. I said, oh, my gosh, it's Louis Arthur Charles. That came out of left field. But he's really cute, and he just had his christening last week. So like we said, not only was there a baby born, but he's already been christened. He's George Alexander. Oh, Louis. that's so what it Louis is, is okay. his, his Alexander. Last yeah. Interesting. And now they have Louis Arthur Charles. And did yeah. you see that picture of um, Kate and the baby? And he's grinning at the. Oh christening. my gosh! Because so he was cute. asleep for most yeah. of it, so it was nice to like look at a photo and be like, he is alive. As you would expect him to sleep through it, but very cute. Um, we've also had the wedding of Meghan Markle mm-hmm. and Prince Harry, now the Duke and Duchess of Sussex. Yeah, we made a half-hearted attempt to live tweet oh, that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, you got up so early, and then... It was so early. There was just so much to watch. <laughs> what did we... We got up at, like, five? Is uh, that right? Five or six. I can't remember. Yeah, and I think I fell asleep at ten. Yeah, it was, it was an early morning. And it's interesting, though, because we did talk a lot about the traditions that we might see, and I think we... Did predict a few things. We predicted the car. She, mm-hmm. like Kate, opted for a fancy car over a carriage. Um, I think I did say I didn't think we'd see too much lace. I didn't know that we'd go that far in that direction. Well, there was a lot of lace. It was just all in the veil. Yeah. I I don't want to talk too much about 
the dress. You were I was a fan not of the a dress. fan of the dress. <laughs> it was I think as I said, it was very fashion forward. I didn't expect it to be that I think the general consensus is it was just made of the wrong material. Mm. And I will concede that point, although I very much didn't hate the dress. And as we've seen in her royal wardrobe, she is quite the fan of the boat neck. So it seems very her, I guess. Well, I'll give you this. The shots in profile, the silhouette was gorgeous. Well, and it didn't fit. That was the other thing. I couldn't tell if that was how it was designed to fit or if maybe she lost a little bit of weight. In lost a little weight. and But, like, the sleeves were weirdly loose. And, I mean, is we don't have to get too much into it. But it was a, like, you were very much against it. And I was, like, probably just over the line of four. But, uh, yeah. But the veil was gorgeous. She looked gorgeous. Harry looked yeah. gorgeous. They looked so much in love. It was Harry looked nervous. <laughs> he looked very nervous. It was beautiful. It was a nice. It was a nice little spot of entertainment, um, given given the world we live in. And um, I don't know about you. Did you watch the Lifetime movie? No, I have not watched it yet. I took a little gander. It was good. I, um, you know, it's Lifetime. There's an interesting scene with a lion and uh, actually twice there's a lion yeah (laughs) so it's a lifetime movie for sure but it was entertaining I enjoyed it and then what else have we missed what other big events well there was the christening like we said um Elizabeth and Philip didn't attend they had a prior engagement or vacation planned I'm not sure poor Louis man he's like okay I already got my brother's name and my great-grandparents couldn't even be bothered to come to my christening (laughs) Well, at least his grandparents showed up. Yeah. So, well, and I think Philip though has fully retired from all public engagements, and even seems to not be attending that many family engagements as well. He didn't attend the wedding. Um, well, I actually re- no, he did attend the wedding. No, I thought he didn't. No, he attended, and I actually read that he didn't go to the christening because he was attending another christening at ah. which he was serving as godfather. Although, He's interestingly... He's a old to be a godfather. A relative of Louis Mountbatten. So ah. it was sort of a symbolic thing. Okay. Um, I thought, that's I thought something he, that I read. I thought I remembered... Oh, no, he did attend the wedding. There was question about whether he would because he, like, had hip surgery or something. Is that yeah. right? He didn't want to show up with a cane. April was so long ago. <laughs> I know. It was a long time yeah. ago. Um, well, I guess that was May, but Megan's father has continued his stretch of being worst father of the year. Yeah. Um, like, his closest relationship these days seems to, seems to be with TMZ, so... Well, sadly, I think we all have that relative out there that were we to find ourselves suddenly in the public eye on an international stage that would be running to the press. But it's sad when it's your father, that yeah. is for sure. It's such a contrast to her mom. Like, her mom seems like the classiest lady alive. It's unfortunate. It's a sad situation. And, oh, so we're talking a little bit we don't really have great gossip right now we're just kind of recapping some pop culture moments i think but i think the big one was last weekend wimbledon mm-hmm. kate and megan attended together it was their first joint outing without their husbands and i thought it went well yeah what did you think of the outfits well i thought it was I don't know if this was planned, but it was interesting in that I felt like they both very much showed up as themselves. Yes. Um, in their 
own styles. They both looked like they were at the right event, but I don't think you'd ever see Megan in Kate's dress, and I don't think you'd ever see Kate in Megan's outfit. No. I did wish, again, for a little bit better fit. Yeah, I mean, but that's going to be so hard, though, because, you know, some of it's probably last minute. Maybe it fit when she put it on, but then when you move, outfits change, you know, like, and tucking Um, in a shirt is really hard because they never stay put. I actually think that it it might be personal preference. Well, could be too. And you know what? Maybe that's just her preference is to have things a little loose. I'm not going to trash someone's fashion choices. Um, well, I thought the I outfit thought they, looked good. It yeah, didn't wear well, good. but it looked really good. And the interesting thing was that she carried a hat, and you are not allowed to wear a hat in the royal box. At all? No, because it can block the view of other spectators. Oh. Yeah, you can wear the hat in other sections, but in the royal box, there are clear rules about not wearing hats. And so knowing that ahead of time, it's interesting that she just chose to carry one. Maybe nobody told her until she got it's there. It's entirely possible. I I would hope that's not the case, that they're not sharing these important details with her. But, but no, by all accounts, they seem to get along and um, have a good time watching the tennis. And uh, Megan's friend Serena did not win. Um, although yeah, but she won the day. I'll say that because and fourth fourth tournament back. I don't know if you've watched the documentary on HBO. No, it is on my to watch list. I just like I cry enough already. Like <laughs> I don't need to add things that are going to make me tear up. Well, it's more the the first or second episode. I forget which one when she's actually gives birth and then has all these surgeries. It was very clear that her life was in danger no, she almost and then, died and then she's shown she's leaving the hospital actually I thought it was kind of funny because she can barely walk and she's carrying the baby in the carrier <laughs> inside the house like I got this but she was clearly very physically affected and then 10 months later fourth tournament back she's in the finals of Wimbledon I'm not worried no I mean well that's why I'm saying she won the day like she didn't win the actual tournament but like her no one is unimpressed that she's there right I mean that's just a feat in itself but that's all the gossip I've got I think yeah that's all I've got too at least it relates to the British family but um I think we've covered quite a bit who we're talking about today anyway and it's more of a catch-up you know Mm -hmm. well hopefully there'll be some gossip coming down the pike it's been a kind of a slow summer except for all these big events no scandals Right. Well, unless you count Thomas Markle, but we, we, we choose not to. We don't count him. Yeah. He's not royal. No. Okay. So also we just want to mention everyone reviewing us on iTunes. Thank you so much. I yes, like, thank you. I'm thrilled to death that people are finding us and enjoying it. And we love the feedback. If you want to review again or more people want to review, we welcome the feedback and welcome the attention we're just you know really into the the praise (laughs) yeah no it's really nice to hear what people think and if you have suggestions for us feel free to email us you can um, email us through the website do you want to shout out the website uh we don't have email set up yet but (laughs) oh my gosh okay so at the end of this episode there will be email set up on the website what is the website it's monarchcast.com okay yes so is it monarchcast or monarchcast pod? Monarchcast.com. Okay. 
I should learn the website. You really um, should. Um, in the meantime, yes. feel free to DM us on Instagram or yes. send a tweet. And if there's anything you liked, if there's anything you think we can improve upon, if there's somebody that you want to hear about, tell us. We're open to suggestions. Yeah. Who's your favorite royal? Let us know because we have our favorites. We're covering one of Claire's. Yeah. So Claire, why don't you talk about where we're embarking this season? Okay. So I think we talked about this in our first episode um, when Allie asked me who my favorite royal was and I said Henry VIII. And I said that because, not because he's this, British Bluebeard. Well, yeah. And for anybody out there who doesn't get the reference, that's a French fairy tale of a man who killed all of his wives. So it's but it's a little more nuanced than that. Yes, yes, but (laughs) it's. I'm talking about Henry's situation. Yeah, it is. Bluebeard, not so nuanced. Henry, yeah. (laughs) I like him not just because you know he was known as a tyrant and all of that, but the man did a lot to shape politics of Europe and religion and just by taking a few actions kind of opened this can of worms. I mean, we were talking about it. It goes all the way to George the first taking the throne of England. The reason he sat on the throne can be traced back to the actions of Henry VIII. So I think it's important that we cover him. There's well, a lot to cover. To be fair, he really wanted a legacy and boy, did he get one. <laughs> oh, he did. And I think it's time that we cover him because we talked about a lot of monarchs that were indirectly influenced by him. Um, Certainly the Hanovers, uh, now the Windsors, wouldn't be on the throne were it not for the actions of Henry VIII. Um, You know, interestingly, they're not direct descendants of him. They are related to him. Distantly. uh, Distantly, very, very distantly. So we're traveling back a little bit in time. You know, we covered the 19th and... um, 20th centuries and now we're going way way back <laughs> to the uh 15th century um and the reign of henry the eighth so he is one of the most infamous kings of england um mm-hmm. he's known as a tyrant as we mentioned a wife killer and he's also known as the great divorcer of the pope Uh, These are the three things that I think come to mind when people think of Henry VIII, but there was a lot more going on than that. And as Ali just said, the situation was very nuanced. So we're going to cover this in four parts. So buckle up because (laughs) there's a lot to cover. Um, This is just the intro and we wanted to do a quick intro episode because it's important to kind of lay the groundwork and some historical context really quickly just to give you an idea of what was going on when he took the throne. So very, very importantly, when Henry VIII takes the throne, you can arguably mark this as the end of the Wars of the Roses. And everybody's probably heard of the Wars of the Roses, and people refer to it as an English civil war, but what it really was was a series of civil wars that were waged between 1455 and 1487. And it's a conflict between the warring houses of York and Lancaster, so, or Lancaster, I guess, as the British say. I'm using the Pennsylvania inflection, so forgive me if I pronounce anything incorrectly. Um, We will most likely go into this in further detail at some point. So for now, we're just going to give you a quick rundown of the situation. 
But the gist is that both of these houses, York and Lancaster, had claims to the throne stemming from the house of Plantagenet. And is that how you say that, Allie? I thought it was Plantagenet. Plantagenet? Yeah. Okay. Plantagenet. Look yes. out for a royal oops on our pronunciation of these things. That's, that's what we're going with, Plantagenet. <laughs> I think I got the G right, though. So Yeah, but I do think it's Plantagenet. Okay. Plantagenet. Um, after Edward III died in 1377, there was a bit of a mess oh, regarding the succession. can I interject real quick? Sure. Edward III is the English monarch that Meghan Markle is distantly descended from. Hey, look at that. We've already got a tie-in to modern day. <laughs> so I get the sense that he's related to everyone, not to not to besmirch Meghan yeah, Markle, I but I um, think that that's a like there were a lot claim. of people. Yeah, there are a lot of people going back to that. So he died in 1377, and it was a bit of a mess regarding the succession. Prior to this, the throne had passed from father to son in an unbroken line for about 250 years, going all the way back to the anarchy, um, which was the time before Henry the First took the throne. When you've got no. the Empress Matilda and Stephen fighting for the isn't Henry the First. Henry the Conqueror? No, that's William the Conqueror. Oh, wow. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm thinking prior to Henry II. I think you're correct. Yeah. Henry I was the father of Empress Matilda. Yeah. And then it was her cousin Stephen that was arguing for the throne, and that we will cover probably as well. But ever since then, there had been an unbroken line of succession. What you have after Edward III is you start to see the question arise of who has a better claim, males descended from the eldest son, in this case it would be Edward the Black Prince, or the other sons of the king. So Edward III had four sons, and it ended up being kind of a mess. Is it the nephew? Is it the uncle? Who's got the better claim to the throne? Eventually what you see is we end up with two rival branches of the Plantagenet house claiming the right to the throne. You have Lancaster, which was the Red Rose, and York, which was the White Rose, which is why it's called the Wars of the Roses. Mm-hmm. Um, and then at the time the wars began, this also comes at the end of the Hundred Years' War, which was a conflict between England and France that spanned roughly a hundred years, uh, which was essentially them fighting over who could lay claim to France. So that's why at this time the kings of England still refer to themselves as the kings of England and France. And that was a really bloody conflict. It wasn't that popular with the common people. You know, those are the people that go off to war and are actually dying in the wars. And it was kind of seen as this endless battle and they never really gained that much ground. So that had that conflict had just ended. And then what you have is Henry VI, on the throne and he went through several periods of mental instability and for a long time he also did not have a male heir. So what this left you with is an opening for the rivals, the Yorks, who felt that they had a better claim anyway. And so they decided, well, look, we're not happy with what's going on. The king's unfit to rule. He doesn't have a son. Let's just take the throne for ourselves. And so what you end up there with is an almost over 30 year period where people are sort of ping-ponging back and forth and sitting on the throne. All of this leads to Henry Tudor, who is known as Henry VII. He inherited the Lancastrian claim through his mother and took the crown after defeating Richard III at the Battle of Bosworth Field. Importantly, this is important to note, this plays directly into the reign of Henry VIII. 
he took the crown by right of conquest, by defeating Richard III in battle. Even though he had a claim to the throne, his claim was very tenuous. It was through his mother, and her claim went up through a bastard son of one of the sons of Edward III. So it was by no means a strong claim whatsoever. So well, what he does is he marries... Edward the fourth and then Richard the third and there was a third brother and I think he's the one whose bastard son was the father of no 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 no, no, no. uh let's just Margaret both <laughs> yes yes let's Henry the heaven's mother we're talking tracing her lineage up hundreds of years to the bastard son of John of Gaunt who was I believe the third son of Edward III, and I could be wrong about that. But we'll get into son. that when we we'll get into that when we do the Wars of the Roses. Suffice yeah. it to say is that his claim was not very strong to begin with, and by this point everybody was dead, so he was really the strongest Lancastrian claimant. And he defeated Richard III on the battlefield, so he took the crown by right of conquest. And what he also did to legitimize his reign is that he married the Yorkist heiress Elizabeth, who was the daughter of Edward IV. Um, that helped further legitimize him, and any and their children would unite the two houses, and there would hopefully be no more issues with succession after that. So Henry was their son, and when he took the throne, he in fact united the houses of York and Lancaster. And as we just mentioned, hopefully that'd be end, the end of the story. But given that this is the throne of England, that's never really the case. Um, it's also important to note that Henry was actually the second son of Henry Tudor, and this actually ties into what I just said. Um, his brother Arthur died at the age of 15, and Henry became the Prince of Wales. So already you've got heirs dying before their prime, so everyone's a little bit concerned about the succession. And then when his father died, he inherited the throne as Henry VIII. Um, he took the throne at 17, but there was no regency. I just made note of that. I think it was probably due to the fact that he was about to turn 18. He wasn't a kid by the standards of the time, so there was no need for a regency. Right, and I, I just want to add in, um, related to what you were talking about, um, the fact that Arthur had died and um, he was essentially the second generation of the United House of Tudor and York, is that it was imperative on him to create a dynasty. Right. Yes. And so he really had this mission above everything to have heirs. And we'll see how that influenced a lot of events was just his quest for a son. Right. And so we've mentioned this several times, but it can't be reiterated enough. He's got this reputation, this legacy that he left behind him, I think somewhat unintentionally. But he's famous for being a tyrant. And, you know, we're going to look at, was he always that way? Did he start out that way? Or what led to him becoming this, you know, monster on the throne? Um, at the beginning of his reign, he was actually known for his great disposition, his good looks, and his religious devotion, which none of that really leads to the term tyrant. So it'll be interesting to see how we get there. He's famous for the divorce from the Catholic Church. This is famously due to his desire to marry Anne Boleyn and have a male heir, as you just mentioned, but there's a lot more to it. 
He, um, in the course of those events, he laid the groundwork for the Reformation and arguably reshaped the politics of England and Europe for centuries to come. As I mentioned earlier, you know, you wouldn't have Elizabeth sitting on the throne now were it not for these actions. And he's also famous for having six wives. So um, the little rhyme, mnemonic device that you can use to remember their order often goes divorced, beheaded, died divorced, beheaded, survive. That's kind of a reduction of circumstances, I think. He actually put the royal marriage into focus for the first time and people started paying attention to the royal marriage and the wives. In fact, in our series, we're gonna focus on the wives in part and it's partly due to the fact that we know a lot about them, partially due to the circumstances in which they found themselves and also due to the humanist focus of the Renaissance. You have to remember the Renaissance is happening in the background. And yeah, everybody plays... was getting really into like reading and writing things down and recording records. <laughs> and that plays directly into the religious reformation. Mm-hmm. And he's also famous, I just added this at the end for a little humor, for being possibly the fattest king England has ever had. You know, famously when he died, they said he had a 54-inch waist, which is massive. And they said three men could stand inside his pants. But it's interesting because in his youth, he was known for his athleticism and his muscular figure. But over time, he sustained injuries that led to infirmity. And it's also possible that those injuries might be blamed for his tyranny later in life. So we hope that you stick with us in our four-part series as we explore the most infamous of English kings. We're going to start the next episode with part one. And uh, we hope you stick around because those are the early years and we're going to set up the reign of Henry VIII. Yeah, and another fun modern parallel that I was thinking of is we currently have another second son named Henry who's a ginger. <laughs> but Can't get away from it at all. Yeah, I, and that's what makes me laugh. Like, I wonder if when Harry was born, if they were like, oh, he's got red hair, let's name him Henry. <laughs> Maybe, you know, actually, I never thought of that. But I think that He's shows an you that even namesake. <laughs> even today, he still looms large over the throne of England. So hopefully we do a good job of explaining why that is. Yep. All right. Join us for part one coming up soon. Yep. Later this week, we'll be dropping that first part. So. Great. See you then. All right. Bye. Bye. Monarchast is produced by me, Allie, and me, Claire, and our logo is by Ryan Cooney. If you like our episodes and want to give us a shout out, please rate or review us on iTunes or Google Play or whatever your preferred method of podcast listening is. We really appreciate it.